Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. If you're new or watching online for the first time, we welcome you. Um, I have something that I'm going to talk to you about today, but before that, I want to share something from when I was a little boy. I was 10 years old, and uh, I think about 10, might have been 9, but anyway, we were at church, and there was a missionary from Thailand. And after church, my mother invited him home to have lunch with us and his wife. And uh, I was sitting there in my home, and I was thinking as a 10-year-old boy, I am never going to go to Thailand. I'm not even sure I know where it is. And uh, as an adult, I have been to Thailand. Actually, I've only passed through Thailand. I'll be honest with you. Last summer, for example, not this summer, but 2018 summer, we were on a mission trip to Cambodia, and Pastor Matt Geppert from Southeast Asia Prayer Center asked me if I would accompany him to Laos, which we would say Laos, but they say Laos, um, to do some ministry with some folks from Vietnam. And I said, sure, I would be glad to do that. And we had to go through Thailand. We landed in Thailand to get to Laos. Anyway, my point is this. As a little boy, you might not think about how God is working all over the world, but he is. That's what we're going to talk about today. God is always at work. And whether you go to Thailand or Cambodia or Israel or England or Saxonburg or Gypsy, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, God is there and he's always working. So today we're in this series. It's actually a year long series called Experiencing God Unreserved or Experiencing God All In. And if we're going to do that, one of the best blueprints for doing that, I think, is found in Henry Blackaby's book from the 1970s called Experiencing God. I've been through that book about five times. I think I'm on my fifth time through it right now with the staff. And uh, in that book, Henry Blackaby lays out a plan for how we experience God in our lives. In fact, the premise of the book is simply this, that we can experience God in our lives every day. That's the key, every day. And we do that by living seven realities of experiencing God. So these seven weeks, we're going to go through the seven realities of experiencing God. And we're going to put a picture up on the screen. It's in your outline. If you follow along on the outline, it's a very primitive picture. I didn't draw this. I actually found it on the Internet, and I thought it was pretty cool because it helps us to remember the seven realities are God's work, relationship, invitation, God speaks, crisis of a belief, just and obey and experience. Now, if you've never heard of the seven realities of experiencing God, that doesn't help you a lot. You might be a little confused. So we're going to look at those seven realities, and I'm going to do them the way that Henry Blackaby does them. And what I mean is this. Uh, if you come regularly, you might notice that I don't point my fingers very much. That's because my grandma Lita told me when you're pointing one, you know, there's three or four pointing back at you. But, but I, I just don't think that's a good thing to do. The other thing is, I don't say you very much, like you need Jesus. I usually say we. We need Jesus, because I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. We need Jesus. But Henry Blackaby uses you, the second person you know, uh, pronoun, because he wants to understand that you, uh, you know, whatever, whoever you are, you need Jesus, and you need these realities. You do, you do, you do, you do, you do, and you do. This one here, okay? We all do, right? So here are the first reality of experiencing God. God is always at work around you. God is always at work around you. Secondly, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. God, number three, God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. Number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways to you. And that's implied, right? God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. 
And number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. So if that is the first time you've ever heard of the seven realities of experiencing God, you still might be a little confused or maybe a bit overwhelmed, but we're sharing them because in my experience outside of the Bible, which is the most influential book in my life, this book has influenced me more than any other because it gives us a clear pathway, a process, if we don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, to come to know him and to grow up to be like him. And if we do know him, it gives us a way that we can experience him every single day of our lives in a very real way. And most important to me, it might not be most important to you after the seven weeks, is we get to, we get to participate in his work with him. So today we're going to look at number one, the reality number one, that God is always at work around you. And the key word, I believe, in that statement is always. God is always at work. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a second off. In fact, since God created the universe, he has been working. He may well have been working before he created the universe because he was always here even before anything was here. But God is always at work around you and me. And the point I'd like to make is this. You can't get up before God. No matter what time you got up today, God was already up. In fact, one of the things I love about the first chapter of Genesis where it talks about the first six days of creation, you know, before God rested on the seventh day, is at the end of every day, there's a summary that says something unusual. I'm just going to give you the first day and its summary to give you the example. So it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And then it says, it's underlined, there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think of the day starting in the evening. I think of the day starting when I get up, which is in the morning. So I get up and I go about my day and then I go to bed at night. That's the end of the day. But that's not the way it actually even is in our lives. Because when does the day really start? 12 o'clock a.m. It's in the middle of the night. But for the Jews, because they read Genesis, their day starts at sunset in the evening. And it goes all the way through the night, in through the day, and then back to the next sunset. So the point of that is God was working all night long while we were sleeping. God is always at work around us. You can't get up before God. So many times once we come to know God through his son, Jesus Christ, we ask an important question. It's a good question. And here it is. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And while that's a good question, because God does have a particular will and purpose for each one of us, there's a more basic question. And the more basic question is, what is God's will? What is God's will? We could say period. You know, what is his will? Because God had a plan for humanity when he created us that applies to all of us. And God, first of all, wants us to know him. God wants us to love him. God wants us eventually to serve him. And God wants us to make him known in the world around us. And God is always seeking us and drawing us to himself. I said this last night, but I forgot to say it until now. In Psalm 23, most of us have heard Psalm 23. At the very end, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. In the Hebrew, it actually could be translated, Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. God is pursuing us. He's, he's after us. God wants us to be in relationship with himself. So, Far too often, I believe one of two extremes happens when it comes to this God's will. The first thing is we wait. Well, I don't know what God's will is, so I'm just going to wait for him to show me. I'm not really going to do anything until he shows me. On the other hand, you have Chris Marshall, 
who says, I already think I know God's will. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to start doing something. But that's not how it works either. It doesn't work. We're not supposed to sit around not seeing God at work. And we're certainly not supposed to plan God's work for him. For him. We're supposed to see him. If we know him, we'll see him at work around us. And it could be here in Saxonburg. could be in Pittsburgh. could be all over the world. Because God is always working everywhere around us. God is at work and he asks us to join him. And if we want to understand how that happens, the best place to look is always Jesus. Because Jesus is our role model. In fact, today's take-home point, um, for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make in this message from Scripture that we want to take home and live out in a week ahead. says simply this, when we want to learn how to know and do God's will, we always look to Jesus. Why do we always look to Jesus? Because Jesus was fully human, but he's also fully God. What that means is when he looked around, he always saw where his heavenly father was working. And when he saw his heavenly father working, he never said, I don't want to do that. He always did his heavenly father's will once he saw what it was. And Jesus is the only one who's like that. So we want to look to him. And the best place to look to Jesus' life Uh, to find out how he lived his life, is in the four Gospels. We call the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the accounts of Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection. And we're going to look in John chapter 5 today. We're going to start in verse 17. Before we do that, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are always working around us, everywhere. Everywhere on this planet, you're at work. And today we pray that you would open the eyes of our minds and our hearts and our spirit, that we can see where you're working. And God, we pray that we can learn from Jesus how it is that we can live a life that sees you at work and joins you in it and brings you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, as I said, it's John chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It's also going to be up on the screen. Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing. In fact, the Father will show Him how to do even greater works than healing this man. If we had read all of chapter 5, we would know that Jesus healed a guy who was paralyzed. Then you'll be truly astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. So if we look closely, what we're going to see is that Jesus offers a pattern for seeing God at work and participating in the work. And it also has seven parts to it. And I'm going to go through them quickly and then we're going to look at them individually. So Jesus acknowledged God's always been working. Secondly, Jesus told us he is also working. Number three, Jesus told us he does nothing on his own initiative. Number four, Jesus watched to see what his father was doing. Number five, Jesus joined his father in doing what the father was doing. Six, Jesus noted his father loved him. And seven, the father showed Jesus everything he was doing. So 
we're going to put ourselves in the place of Jesus. Because really, that's what we do when we read the scripture as followers of Jesus. We say, okay, this is the example. Now I want to follow the example in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing it says that Jesus did was he acknowledged that God has always been working. I want you to think about something. When you woke up this morning, if you thought about it, it would be obvious that God was working. Because the universe is still here. <laughs> because the earth is still here. When you woke up this morning, it would be obvious to you that God was working. Because you're still here. When I woke up this morning, and I, you know, and I actually, as I get older and older, and I'm 62, so not greatly old, but old, you know, every morning I go, thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> I'm still here. So I know that he's here. So there are blessings. There are tangible blessings and intangible blessings because God is always at work around us. So how do we know if God's at work in our relationships? There's really a, a very special verse in John chapter 6, verse 44, where Jesus tells us if somebody brings God up to us in conversation... That's a sign that God is at work. How do I know? It says this. No one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the next time someone at school or work or, you know, just when you're out in the community brings up God. I, I don't even know about God. I don't understand this whole God thing. That's an, that's an invitation for you to see God working and to join him by having a conversation with that person. Secondly, Jesus told us that he is also working God is working and we're called to work. Now, I said that God had a plan for all of us for, as humanity. And we're going to look at that right now because if God calls us into his work, we should know what it is. And in Genesis chapter 1, it says this. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds on the, of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created us to rule with him on the earth, to rule this planet with him. We are co-rulers with God. That's the plan. Now, of course, if you've ever read the Bible and got to chapter 3 of Genesis, you know that the first two human beings, Adam and Eve, decided to reject the plan. They turned away from God and they decided to rule themselves. Now, that didn't change God's plan. God's plan is still for us to rule with Him on the earth. But now there's something new that's added. And the new thing that's added is we're called to help people who don't know Him because of the darkness of sin to come to know Him. Now, the third thing that Jesus said to do, and it's the hardest one for me. Jesus told us he does nothing on his own initiative. I like to take the initiative. I really do. I really don't like to sit and wait for God to, to show me what he's doing. I just like to, I like to do something. I like to plan things. And actually, mostly they're things, they're good things. Things that would advance the kingdom of God. So one day back in January, I was praying and uh, if you were here when Pastor Alex shared about the, you know, the 12 different aspects of the hours spent with God, one of the aspects is listening. So I get to that point in my prayer that morning. I'm listening. I'm listening. And I heard God say, Chris, you know what? It's time for new life to start helping other churches in our region to equip people to you know, reach the lost, to equip their leaders and to do more in their communities to advance the kingdom of God. And I thought to myself, God, that's a good thing. You have to be in that. that. That has to be your will. But here's what happened. You ever listen to somebody to tell you to do something and you got, they got halfway through the sentence and you just went off and did it? 
And you didn't wait for the end of the sentence? Well, that's what I did that day because I started saying, okay, I got it. Transformation conference. I think we should do a transformation conference. What we're going to do is I'm going to do a couple keynotes, you know, help get people fired up, and then we'll get all the staff people to share on their specialties in workshops. It's going to be an awesome way to equip churches to reach the lost and to do all the stuff that God wants them to do. And uh, the thing is, I forgot that you're supposed to see what God is doing and join Him in it. And I also forgot step four and step five. Because step four and step five says Jesus watched to see what his father was doing. And then Jesus joined his father in doing what the conference was doing. Because what happened was I went to the staff and I said, hey, God told us we're supposed to have a transformation conference. And they go, oh, what's that? And I told them what it was. And they said, good idea. And so then we all started planning it. And then, you know, Brad and Kelsey made this wonderful um, invitation and Nancy got some list of all the churches in the area. You know, we sent it out to hundreds and hundreds of churches. And we waited for them to respond in RSVP on our website. We even made a special place on the website for them to respond. And after waiting, you know, a couple weeks, nobody responded. Not one. Not one church. Actually, Sadie Scully, who's on our staff, and me, we are the only two who responded that we were coming. And so we decided to cancel the Transformation Conference since nobody was coming. Now... A couple of the staff people came to me and said, Pastor Chris, are you sure God told us to do a transformation conference? And when I thought about it, I said, well, no, what I'm sure is that God said that we were supposed to help the churches in our area to reach the lost and to equip their leaders and to do more to reach their communities than they're doing now. And Pastor Barry said to me, well, Chris, we're already doing that. You meet on a regular basis with three church planters in our community, in our area, who are planting churches, and you meet and help to equip them to, to plant their churches. And Pastor Alex and Mark have been meeting with youth pastors for 10 years um, to help them to be more effective in their ministries. And all the people that work here at New Life, and even people who are members of New Life, have helped churches to do what you're talking about. So maybe what you heard was right, but maybe you didn't listen. The whole way. And what I'm saying is that's true. I didn't listen the whole way. So when we look to see what God is doing and we listen to hear what God is doing, we need to listen the whole way to the end of the sentence. That would make my mother so happy, you know, that I finally am learning to do that. Um, she's been dead for almost 30 years, but, you know, I, I had a hard time with that. Anyway, the sixth thing that it says, Jesus noted his father loved him. What an incredible reality. What an incredible reality that the God of the universe, who created everything that exists, loves us. Loves you and me personally. And, and, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of people in the world that don't seem to love us. There are people out there that I don't know if they're trying to give us a pain where a pill won't reach, but they seem to be doing that. You know, and there are actually people out there who don't really want to do anything. They want to hurt us. But God loves us. In fact, God has your picture and my picture on his refrigerator. He has a really big refrigerator, I'm thinking, right? God loves us more than we love ourselves. He cares more about us than we care about ourselves. And what Jesus says is we need to understand that. Because when we see him at work, the first thing is we don't need to see him at work until we see that he loves us. He cares about us. Pastor Brad's going to talk about that next week, that second reality, that he wants to have a relationship with us that's real and personal. So, the final thing that Jesus said is this. The Father showed Jesus everything He was doing. Could you imagine knowing everything that God is doing? 
But that's what it says. Jesus said, I know everything he's doing. And I'm participating in it because I, I know what's going on. And, and wherever we look, once we have those eyes and the heart of Jesus in our lives, we see where God is at work. And he's working here. And he's, we say here at New Life, here, there, and everywhere. He's working locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. He's working everywhere. And if we can't see it, if we can't see God working in our lives, perhaps it's because we haven't submitted our will to his will. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Alex quoted Trip Lee from his book, Rise. And Trip Lee said this, There are really only two ways to respond to Jesus. You can deny yourself and follow him, or you can deny him and follow yourself. Who do you think is the better leader? And, and that quote won't let go of me. I, I mean, I just keep going over that quote over and over and over again because I know who's the better leader, Jesus. And yet, what happens so many times in my life is I do deny myself, but then I say, hey, Jesus, you know, I know what you want to do, and I think I can maybe help you out with that. I can maybe help it be a little better than what you wanted to. So what I'm really doing is I'm giving up my will to Jesus and then I'm sort of taking it back because I think I can do a better job. So what I'm saying is I think I'm a better leader than Jesus. That's crazy. But that happens in, in my life and maybe it happens in your life as well. You know, I, I'd say the Transformation Conference is probably the most recent example of that where God had an idea of what we were supposed to do and, and I was listening, but not listening the whole way. So when we deny ourselves to follow Jesus, it means 100%, not 80% or 50%. And when we put ourselves in front of Jesus, what's going to happen is we might be happy for a while. We might even do some good things. But it's never going to be the best thing that God created us to do. The more time we invest in our relationship with God and just listening to Him and knowing His love and experiencing His love for us, the more that we're going to see with His eyes, the more our heart is going to be aligned with His heart. And we're truly going to be able to look around at work and at school and in our families and in all of our relationships. And we're going to see what it is that God is doing. And then we'll be freed up to actually do something about it. For example, this is an illustration. I believe it's true for probably all of us. We get engaged and even maybe doing God's work. And we have a friend and that friend is hurting. And we're so busy, we don't even see that the friend is hurting. But what God is doing is putting that friend around us and he's working. He wants to work through us. That's the most amazing thing. God wants to work through us. And I can't wait till week three. I mean, I got to finish week one. But I can't wait till week three when I get to see, talk to you about how God you know, invites us to participate in his work. But he does invite us to participate in his work. He wants us to see those who are hurting and realize that he's working in their lives and he might be sending you and me into those people's lives to reach them and to help them. The other thing, especially on Mission Weekend, I would want to emphasize is God isn't just working in Saxonburg or Sarver or Mars. He's working everywhere. And we know that. We have partners here who do ministry in Cambodia, you know, in Myanmar, in Africa, in Pittsburgh, in Butler, in, in all these different areas around the world. And as we think about that, as we think about that, what I would like to ask us to do is, have we been listening? Have we been listening to God's call for us to see Him at work? You know, is, is, it, is, it, really, is it really too much to believe that God might be calling every single one of us in the room, everybody watching online, to see where he's working near and far and to join him in that work. And, and 
I have made a commitment. And I guess now that I'm, I've told it all four services, I'm, you're going to have to hold me to it. And here's my commitment. I'm going to do more listening and watching to see where God's at work. And I'm going to listen to the end of the sentence. And what I believe is this, that God wants to do more through new life, through you and me, through all of us, than he's ever done before. And in 2020, we're going to see an unprecedented number of people who are going to be experiencing God unreserved and who are going to be going near and far to share ministry in Jesus' name. Just yesterday, just yesterday, 15 people from New Life were in Vandegrift. Well, what were they doing there? Well, there's a couple named Dan and Zoanna Shorthouse. They're missionaries with Southeast Asia Prayer Center. They moved to Cambodia last year, but their house in Vandegrift didn't sell. And so there's a person that wanted to buy their house, but it needed some work. And 15 people from New Life showed up yesterday, and they worked all day long. And, uh, and I heard uh, from Pastor Barry that Ken Nelson, you know, organized things and, and Barry Sr. Uh, organized things and they all worked together. And at the end of the day, the new prospective owner showed up at the house and she said, wow, they really went above and beyond what was necessary. And that is something we talk a lot about here at New Life. And that is under promise and over deliver. You know, what we want to make sure that we do is that when we're representing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we do everything we can with excellence, more than people would expect, because that's how God treats us. He wants us to do more than, or He does give us more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives. So as we come together as New Life Christian Ministries, today and tomorrow and however many days He gives us, we have the opportunity to see people who are in need and God is working there and sometimes we're going to be the ones he calls to meet that need so here's the thing though before we can do that we need to know him personally the God of the universe and Jesus his son came to reveal Jesus to reveal God personally and uh, if you've never trusted him as savior and lord right now I'd like you to look at a prayer it's going to be up on the screen And it's using some of the language we've been using today. It says, Heavenly Father, I confess I have not seen you at work. I have not trusted your Son Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and I have not yet let your Holy Spirit lead my life. Right now I surrender my life to you. Come in and become my Savior and Lord. Let me see you at work. Let me experience your love. Empower me by your Spirit to live in obedience and experience your work in my life. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's your prayer today, whether you're watching online or you're here and you want to make Jesus Lord, which means owner and Savior, which simply means he saves us from sin and death and for a life of meaning and purpose in loving and serving him. Or or maybe you did that at some point in your life, but you've sort of just been wandering adrift and not really seeing where God's working and you want to recommit yourself to that. Then let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I confess I have not seen you at work. I have not trusted your son Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and I have not let your Holy Spirit lead my life. Right now I surrender my life to you. Come in and become my Savior and Lord. Let me see you at work. Let me experience your love. Empower me by your Spirit to live in obedience and experience your work in my life. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God that Jesus always sees where His Heavenly Father is working and that when His Spirit is in us, we get to see that too. Thank God that Jesus came to live the only perfect life that's ever been lived on this planet, 
a life that none of us could ever live, that he did die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and rose again so that we can have life now and forever. And not only that, but when he went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us so we too can have his eyes and his heart to see where God is at work around us. And remember, when you go out today, when I go out today, when we go out today, we look around and we see God at work. And sometimes what that's going to mean is we enter into the lives of other people and we do things in Jesus' name that will help them to see God. This is the amazing thing. The God of the universe doesn't need us. He doesn't need any of us. And yet he rarely does much on this planet without us. He rarely works on his own. He usually uses us. And as people around you, your people that you work with, the people you go to school with, the people that are in your family, the people in your sports teams, your music places, wherever it is, as they see you showing the love of Jesus to them, they will see Jesus. And someday, maybe because of that, they will turn because God is drawing them and they will trust Jesus, Savior and Lord. That has always been the plan. And that plan doesn't change. And we get to participate in it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you're always working, that you never rest, that you never stop, that you are with us every single moment. And now today, God, we pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our, our eyes, that we can see where you're working. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, join you in that work. God, I pray for those who prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning to admit and acknowledge they haven't seen your work and now they want to know you personally through Jesus and they want to live in the power of your Holy Spirit. We do pray, pour your Holy Spirit in them and all of us, God, that we might do your will, that we might bring you glory and that we might advance your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.